Chapter 8 of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter 8 The May Day Games. I, I've been a rambling all this night, and sometime of this day, and now returning back again, I brought you a garland gay. A garland gay I brought you here, and at your door I stand. Tis nothing but a sprout but tis well budded out the works of our lord's hand the ancient may-day carol rang out full and clear and sweet from the thicket of lilacs as nine little maids singing blithely and swinging their garlands gay like dryads from their native oaks came dancing across the greensward to lois on her throne dotty herself a dimpled sunny flower with a lightly woven basket of posies on her head the tendrils rippling down among her curls tripped ahead lisping the song then hand in hand and two by two danced edwina and christine phyllis and priscilla henrietta and mary virginia and mary bell all in white with fluttering sashes of violet blue or pink dancing and singing in unison they flung their fragrant rosy wreaths to the breeze and like a lovely rainbow they formed in front of lois singing the carol again and chanting with saucy smiles the cheery refrain why don't you do as we have done the very first of may they bent one knee before their queen and showered the sweet-smelling arbutus upon her again they bent the knee and moving backwards curtsied low at every third step as they gaily repeated with laughing eyes on their queen the elfishly mocking refrain as farther and farther they danced away to the maypole why don't you do as we have done the very first of may why yes why don't we cried betty springing up lois you and dunny first off over the green danced the queen and dunny lane jack grasped betty's hand and they whirled merrily after them alexander king and mary flew close behind craig and edith clasped hands and went skipping away reginald followed briskly with dorothy king paul snatched up one of john's little girls and danced away charlie lamb and gertrude came on behind john and his wife hand in hand trudged grimly after the bishop followed in a dignified minuet step with mrs baird as the doctor and mrs brooks stepped lightly off no one failed in this happy surrender to the tempting invitation of the lovely sprites and the spring day was filled with voices chanting merrily why don't you do as we have done the very first of may across the soft grass the feet of young and old danced a royal welcome to the may day and the children caught the swaying ribbons and wove them swiftly about the maypole may i put this piece of may in your buttonhole asked christine of the bishop i shall be delighted my dear the bishop leaned down benignly so her timid fingers could place the blossom on his coat it seems all a piece of may he added straightening up and looking around then noticing dr and mrs baird and mrs brooks coming up he sportively challenged them to a game of croquet others started bowling on the green which craig explained in his terse precise way the children skipped off to play a brisk game of battledore and shuttlecock 
then there was a call for the most exciting feature of the afternoon the archery contest jack an enthusiastic and skilful archer now appeared weighed down with bows and arrows which he dropped on a chair his younger brother rodney tagged proudly after him lugging the target jack had greatly interested betty and lois and to some extent edith and gertrude in the game and had given them a good deal of instruction now after he had placed the target near the stone fence he turned to them ladies first he bowed waving his hand towards the weapons and let your arrows stick in the target you are not going to make us shoot first protested the girls we won't shoot first they locked their hands behind them the boys surrounded them and insisted but they stood fast suddenly betty sprang forward and seized a bow and arrow i suppose you want us to shoot first jack brooks so you can notch our arrows for us she mocked gaily very well jolly knight the games must go on so i'll give you the chance aha old man they see through your little game all right laughed dunny digging his elbows into jack's ribs in return jack gave a huge knowing wink as betty got ready to shoot poising her graceful young figure with the left foot advanced she raised her bow drew her right hand steadily back to her ear fastened her eye on the target and let fly nine instantly called out craig who stood down at the target hooray bully for betty cheered the boys tossing their caps into the air while the girls clapped triumphantly the bowlers croquet players and the children with their battle doors and shuttlecocks hearing the uproar rushed in a body to the course lined up on each side and craned their necks eagerly to see the target seeing betty's arrow sticking almost exactly in the center of the bull's-eye they burst into a round of applause oh girls screamed edwina shrilly waving her battledore wildly to the slow ones as she pranced around her black eyes snapping oh girls cousin betty hit the bull right in the eye little rodney brooks sniffed scornfully at edwina's bragging and glowered darkly at her huh, accidents will happen the other girls then displayed their skill all shooting carefully and with varying degrees of success but all doing pretty well at last when the boy's turn came the target looked like the twin brother to a porcupine be sure you notch the arrow in the bull's-eye dunny warned jack with a smile at betty as jack stepped up to shoot drive it clear through the target jack called out king don't let those girls beat you pleaded rodney turning his back on edwina with a great show of care jack picked out a bow tested it twanged the string and examined it carefully for fraying picked up one arrow after another and sighted along each until perfectly satisfied that he had a straight one held up a blade of grass to test the force and direction of the wind planted himself firmly on his feet raised his bow aimed long and carefully shot and missed his arrow plumped into the old stone wall and flew into a dozen pieces the spectators gazed in surprise for a second then set up for a shout of laughter and the little girls facing the downcast rodney exulted at the top of their voices he missed he missed 
Betty beat him. Ha, 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 ha. Dunny, King, Craig, Reginald, and Paul surrounded Jack and hilariously wished him better luck next time. He tried hard to look chagrined when he finally freed himself from the boys and walked over to where the girls were standing in a group watching the proceedings with suspicious eyes. I certainly did my best. There must have been something wrong with the feathering of that arrow, he explained speciously. Jack, you're a perfect humbug. You did your level best to miss it, said Betty. Now, Dunny, it's your turn. Do play fair, won't you? Of course, Betty, of course, Dunny assured her earnestly. Jack suppressed a snicker, and the other boys, with averted faces, hurried out of earshot. Dunny's preparations for his shot were, if possible, more painstaking than Jack's, but his arrow landed on the very edge of the target and hung dangling there. He looked at it with a pained expression. Great Scott, Jack, he ejaculated. You and I'd better give up archery and go back to marbles and mumbledee peg. We can't shoot for sour apples. You're certainly a rank shot, old fellow. One of the worst ever, Jack agreed cheerfully, slapping him on the shoulder. Beat you anyhow, retorted Dunny. In the end, Betty was tumultuously proclaimed victor, with Lois a close second, and they were showered with congratulations by the boys, who professed breathless admiration at their marvelous skill. All the younger folks stayed for the dance in the barn in the evening. It was a fine, substantial building, made of heavy timbers, with the conscientious workmanship of a hundred years ago. It had been cleaned until it shone, and the boys took great delight in hanging from the massive beams ship's lanterns and quaint old household ones long out of use, and ranging picturesquely on a high shelf pots of flowers and shrubs, and festooning the walls with flags and bunting. The great wide doors were flung open, and the crescent moon came out over the little hills and shone full into the deep barn as the merrymakers strolled in two by two. The floor was excellent for dancing, and bundles of sweet yellow hay around the walls formed seats for the onlookers and for those weary of tripping the light fantastic toe. The village fiddler sat on a barrel in a corner under the light of a great brass ship's lantern and struck up wild rollicking airs, Money Musk and the Sailor's Hornpipe being the favorites. Soon there was a call for a waltz tune, and waltzes, polkas, and square dances followed in rapid succession until all were thoroughly tired. The fiddler leaned back against the wall, his ancient fiddle across his knee, and the dancers dropped on the bundles of hay to rest, while Betty and Lois dipped out old Katie's delicious fruit lemonade. All at once they were startled by a weird sound. Looking up, they saw dancing down the middle of the barn floor a mad-looking creature making mad music. What? Betty started to ask, when the queer fantastic object drew near. Why, it's a Highlander in his kilts. And, oh, Lois, he's playing a bagpipe. A second figure, similarly dressed, flung itself after the first, and the two wild Scots danced a Highland fling in the center of the floor, their claymores and dirks gleaming fearfully. And then, with frantic gestures and a last wild note from the pipes, the two disappeared as mysteriously as they had come and went to their quiet gardener's lodges on the Brooks estate. 
End of chapter 8. Recording by Holly Jensen.